to Jesus on the Christmas weekend. And uh, we'll skip through there. And we'll go here. Everyone says, no, you get pumped up, Russell. Turn it down on the girl. You say good things. Good things. Alright, good things, good things, good things. I'm bringing a series called Good Things, and I'm pretty excited. It's always a bit of fun. And uh, are you ready for a little bit of fun? Yeah. Something a little bit different. Yeah. Not boring and go to sleep kind of thing, but exciting and fun. So, Christmas is almost here. Now, that means something different to everybody in the room, because we all have different traditions, different gatherings whether it's the whole family, whether it's you. Maybe you don't even celebrate Christmas because you love Jesus every day of the year. That's okay, but it's different for everybody. And uh, I want to know, I want to ask a question before I do anything. And that is, what are you waiting for? Like, what's the anticipation? What's the, and this is, you've got to participate. So you've got to put your hand up and I'm going to go to you and you're going to tell me what you're waiting for. So help me out. What are you waiting for when it comes to Christmas? Ross? Rapture. Rapture. That's a good thing to be waiting for. We'll go off into the clouds together soon. Oh. No, no, that was a hand you're committed oh, now. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for our son to be well enough so we can Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. That's such a good thing. We're waiting for healing in Jesus' name. Someone else. What is Christmas in the islands? What are you waiting for? What's the anticipation? What's the excitement of Christmas? Someone. Don't all stare at me. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Celebrating? Well, did you just invent a word? Did you say celebrating? <laughs> celebrating. Oh. <laughs> just sounded like you said celebrating. This is a new word. Someone else, what are you waiting for for Christmas? What's exciting? What are you waiting for? What's the anticipation? Food. No one wants to say it. Food. Do you eat lots of food at Christmas? Amen. Lots of food? The diet that comes in January? No? Something else. One or two more. Trish, what do you wait for for Christmas? Uh, what do you want to say? I didn't hear. Oh, lasagna. I'm still waiting for my lasagna. Every year, Trish boasts about this big lasagna she makes for a friend. I did get some one year. I did get some one year, but I'm still waiting for my second. Helping. All right, one more. What are you waiting for? Family. Family. That's a good one. Waiting for family. That's cool. Well, whether you're waiting for, I don't know, nobody said presents. But, you know, when you were kids, did you like getting presents? Yeah. Come on, let's speak. You're in church, you've got to be honest, don't lie. We're waiting for prayer. When are you waiting for presents? When are you waiting for that special Christmas treat? I don't know, maybe mum or dad or, or someone, Aunt Gertrude, made something special at Christmas. I don't know, I just made it up. Uh, but that special Christmas treat that they make, um, Anita makes truffles, you know, those chocolate balls with coconut. Oh. I'm waiting for that. No, there's no rum. There's no rum. Although I don't want. Do you put rum in them? No, you don't. But they can be rum. She could. And maybe, maybe we might sneak some in. I don't know. Maybe you're waiting for that moment when it's okay to blast your Christmas music. You know how there's those people that blast it a little too soon. You're like, dude, it's October. Uh, maybe you're waiting for the right time. And to, to blast your Christmas carols and things and not get funny looks. Uh, but you know the saying, and you'll know this, good things come to those who wait. wait. See, we all know it. So we're going to play a little game. Okay, So this is where it gets a little bit fun. 
And again, I need a little bit of participation. I need two volunteers. And I'm very good at picking people that, you know, if there's no one forthcoming. So two volunteers, very quickly. Very quickly. Who's, who's feeling brave? Nathaniel, come up. Nathaniel. Okay. And uh, Jeremy, you come up. I'll pick on you. <laughs> right, so you stand there. You stand there. Come up here on the stage. I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, so what we're going to do is play a game called um, Good Moves. So this is about... Um, Spiritual interpretive dance. Okay? So, Arthur, you, you'd be a good dancer, being an old Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on. And, I don't know about you, but get involved in this. Right, I'm going to play a song. It's a Christmas song. You've probably all heard it before. And uh, we're going to see some dance moves. I need to, I don't want to make that go. Right, ready? Are you ready? You've got about 30 seconds, and the winner. Uh, we'll get a prize. Okay, you ready? Turn it off, pump it up. Come on. Pump it up, pump it up.
Team Filipino. patience with that first song was pretty boppy but the next two they weren't slow on purpose just to demonstrate that we need patience with uh, our movements and how we respond to the slow songs when we're expecting a fast song uh, maybe patience to endure the dancing although I think that was pretty good dancing don't you There are some things that I'm willing to wait for, same for you, some things that perhaps you're willing to wait for, but I don't really uh, have the patience to wait forever, if I was to be really honest. No. Yeah. Who struggles with patience? Come on, you're in church again, how do I like Every hand should be up. So on a scale of, and this is the scale, okay, toddler who wants a snack, okay, so if you're a parent you know what I'm talking about, toddler who wants a snack. Uh, it's like, no, nah, I'll feed me. Uh, to someone who camps out, you know you have the big Boxing Day sales, but you're the person that goes three or four days in advance and sets up a tent, and I can wait three or four days before I get it, that's okay. So that's the scale. How good are you at waiting? So who's the toddler? <laughs> I think there's a lot of lies in church today. <laughs> who's happy to wait three or four days and, and be patient outside of a shop waiting for the big sale? Oh, see, now you're all grown. Now, who's the toddler? Yeah, can I just have it now, please? Yeah, come on, let's be real. So, waiting is easier when we have an end in sight. Do you agree? So if you know when whatever it is you're waiting for, when it's coming, it's much easier to wait because there's that anticipation that's it's, it's going to be there. When it comes to our Christmas plans, it's easy because Christmas falls on our on our calendar, 25th of December. So we know when it's coming. As a kid, maybe you're doing an advent calendar and you're crossing off the days or whatever, but you know it's this many sleeps until it's Christmas time. Uh, sometimes, even when we've been waiting patiently though, our plans don't always go according to plan. Uh, kind of like a Christmas, and I'm very mindful that this is streaming live and being recorded because I'm not sure I've ever admitted this to my parents before. So I'm about this confession time, okay? Christmas in my house was all about, you know, we were excited. We weren't, we weren't a Christian family, so for us, it was, we were pumped for the presents. 
we just couldn't wait to Christmas Day to open up our goodies and see what, what we got. And uh, this one year, I happened to stumble across where the present cupboard was. Stumbled. <laughs> Stumbled. It was like, oh, what's in here? Whoops. And I saw all the gifts. Now, I was a gamer. A gamer. I don't know, young people know what they think. I played video games, but back in my day, it was Atari 2600. You know, the it's a pong ball. Anyway, so there were some games in there for me for Christmas. So when I was the only one home and my parents weren't, I actually opened them up, took them in, played them a bit before Christmas Day, and nobody ever knew. Father, forgive me for our sin. No matter how well we plan Christmas, or, or any time of the year for that matter, there's always a chance our plans aren't going to go according to plan. And, and in my story, you know, there was meant to be a big surprise on Christmas Day, and instead I had to pretend to be surprised because I knew what I was uh, getting. And I got away with it, praise the Lord. But uh, Mum, if you ever watch this, I'm so sorry. Uh, and if my brother or sisters, uh, so my brothers see this, don't tell Mum. Okay. <laughs> For the next few weeks, you know, today, this afternoon at Clifton, and then next Sunday, and then Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, waiting for Christmas to arrive, and, and, and how things don't always necessarily go according to plan. But see, we're going to talk about a plan that actually did go according to plan, and that's a plan that was created by God. It was a plan that was set in motion before time even began. It was a plan that involved a little bit of waiting. <laughs> a lot of waiting. And the plan has a lot to do with what we remember at Christmas time. So there's a good chance, because you're in church, that you've heard the Christmas story before. Can I remind you, you know, baby, manger, sticky sheep, uh, um, Mary and Joseph, star, three wise men. You might have seen the nativity scene as you came in. This morning. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, what's that? Wise men, not three wise men. Oh, yeah, sorry, wise men. Three isn't in the Bible, I know. Uh, don't crucify me. All right. uh, so, wise men. Uh, you know the story, right? Anyone not know the Christmas story? I'll pray for you now. Uh, Bishop Ben, seriously. Okay. So, to trace the beginnings of God's plans, we actually need to go all the way back. Everyone say, where are you back? <laughs> to the very beginning of the Bible, to another story that might be kind of familiar. You know, God's plan began where humanity's whole story began, in the Garden of Eden. And in the very beginning, God created the first people, Adam and Eve. And back then, God and humanity had a close relationship and everything was as it should have been. In other words, I don't know, did Ozzy say this? It was hunky-dory. What do you say that? Where did they get that from? US. Ozzy, so US? I think it's Aussie thing. It's hunky-dory, Ozzy. Think he died. True blue. G'day mate, everything was good in the garden, but then a certain, uh, is it English, is it? Hunky Dory. Well, why didn't you say so? Speak up. Then a serpent appears in the garden uh, of Eden, and uh, let's read it, I'm going to read it up here because I didn't write down when to change slides, so I'm going to read it up here. Uh, let me take that off. Now the serpent, serpent was more cunning, this is in Genesis 3 than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, or shall, or nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for the God for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, uh, she, you see, just one wise man, she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife had hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, like you can hide from God. Anyway, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He knew where he was, might I add. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? God knew what he'd done. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Notice the blame game straight away. It was her. She did it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Then the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The blame game. Not me, it's the serpent. Blame the serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So, everybody needs to say now, good times. <laughs> There's good times here. From this moment on, everything changed. When that happened, everything changed. Because of sin, humanity's relationship with God was altered forever because of what was done. It might seem like God's plans have already gone wrong at this point, but God doesn't seem surprised because nothing surprises God. Instead, we get the first hints of God's plan. Yes, things have gone wrong, but someday things will be made right. One day a child would be born who would put an end to sin and death. That plan still sounds pretty vague, doesn't it? If you were just to read that and knew nothing else, it's still a little vague. And over time, God starts to give us more hints about what is in store. So long after Adam and Eve, God began to speak to humanity through the prophets. During the time of King David in around 1000 BC, which is roughly 3000 years ago, God gave humanity an update on the plan. We were told that the baby that God promised was still on the way and that the baby would be a descendant of King David. Then God gave us another update. It sounds like our phones getting updates all the time. Through the prophet Jeremiah, who probably lived about, I don't know, 650 to 750 BC, something like 2,700 years ago. Jeremiah had a pretty tough job. You know, at one time, God's people, the Israelites, had been a powerful nation. But during Jeremiah's time, their sinful choices and disobedience to God had led to their downfall. And so it was tough times, not necessarily good times, but bad times. You know, the nation of Israel split into two, and you've got Israel and Judah, and these nations fighting each other and their neighbours around them. Poverty led to people going hungry and without homes. A lethal combination of jealousy and pride left them vulnerable to attack from other nations. 
The strengthening nation of Babylon became a huge threat to God's people. And if Babylon invaded the city, um, they thought it wouldn't just be them who was defeated. Babylon was strong. They believed God would be defeated too if Babylon came. With that in mind, let's see what God said. We're going to read now Jeremiah uh, 33, verses 14 to 16. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. And in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which you will be called the Lord our Righteousness. So this righteous branch thing, we're not talking about a branch of your local Commonwealth Bank. This is about a family tree. Family tree of humanity. From Adam and Eve to King David all the way through to future king who God would use to save the world. So for a long time, this was all humanity knew about God's plan. Jeremiah had the privilege of sharing the good news that God's plan was still in the works. But there was a catch. We still had some waiting to do. Who loves waiting? Let's talk about that. (laughs) There's a lot of patience needed here. All throughout the Old Testament, there are so many hints, pictures, clues like this one. Reassurances that God has good things in store. And the better days of God's grace and mercy are on the way. You know, hundreds of years after the book of Jeremiah was written, we were given the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, which helps us see how this family tree turned out. Now, I'm not going to read it today because of the sake of time, but there's a whole lot of forgetting going on. <laughs> the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah, and his brothers Judah begot Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot salmon, fish, whatever. Anyway, carry on. And we get to the end, and it's all these the, 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 the family lineage. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until Christ, 14 generations. You can't tell me God ordained and appointed the family line perfectly because we serve a perfect God. So you might be thinking, wow, what a cool list of names that I can't pronounce and I can't relate to. Ooh, who skips that part of the Bible? Did you ever read it? Yes. Yeah. Seriously? Okay. Oh, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. I, I skip it sometimes. <laughs> but it's important because the list of names shows us how God's plan unfolded over generations. 14, 14, 14. Each of these people... For generations knew what it was like to wait for the future saviour. A lot of patience. How long is a generation? 60 years? 40 to 60 years? I don't know, it depends how you look at it. But you times that by 14, add another times 14, that's a long time, isn't it? It's a lot of patience. Jesus' ancestors included all sorts of people. Men, women, kings, nobodies, shepherds, widows, religious people, not so religious people, and heaps more. And each of these people mentioned by name in Jesus' ancestry were part of God's big plan. But they all had to wait for it. See, the season leading up to Christmas, which we're in right now, is called Advent. It's a season where we plan and wait to celebrate the birth 
of Jesus. Now, again, don't crucify me. I know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I know it doesn't align up. It's just how the world uh, sees it. And we have that anticipation, that time of Advent leading towards it. The season leading up to Christmas is just full of excitement and it's different for everybody. Like I said, you have different traditions, different gatherings, different ways that you celebrate and remember. Well, for generations, humanity didn't know what they were waiting for. They just knew that they had to trust in God's plan. At least we know there's a risen Saviour, amen? Amen. But, But they didn't know what it would look like. They conjured up in their own mind what they thought might happen, but they were not given clear direction as to what's going on. Today, Advent reminds us of the plan God set in motion at the beginning of time, a plan to solve the problem of sin and make wrong things right. So if you're anything like me, waiting's not something I'm exceptionally good at. I try, but sometimes I just... Like, I want our building tomorrow. Anyone else? After last week with 260, I want to I fill the place with all you guys every week. Right now, we're constrained to what we have, and we'll do the best with what we have. And that's okay, because uh, patience, right? <laughs> but Advent reminds me that even while I'm waiting, God can be trusted in that season of wait, in that season where your miracle hasn't quite come yet. You've been praying maybe for 10, 20, 30 years, and you haven't got there yet, but you can trust in God's plan for your life. Because today, as always, God has a plan. There is a plan. Just because we don't see something happening doesn't mean there isn't a plan. God has a plan. You know, you might be thinking, this all sounds cool, but what does that have to do with me? Well, I'm glad you were thinking that out loud so I could answer it. You know how God had a plan to make good things happen for all of humanity? Well, the same is true for you. We're in that post-Jesus-came-died-rose-again season, which probably gives us even more reason to believe because something's happened. But all those people that waited before the Saviour the Savior came just trusted in God's plan. And today I want to encourage you to do the same. Lots of people put their hands up when Anita asked them to earlier that you had a tough week. Or, and it's easy to stray from the thoughts that, you know, God knows the plans he has for you. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. It doesn't feel like that sometimes, I get it. When things are going bad, things are tough. We tend to have doubts. We tend to feel discouraged, hurt, disappointed, disillusioned, depressed, all of those things. Well, you were never a surprise to God. It's important for you to hear that today. Your life was always part of his plan. If you pay attention, I think you'll be able to see God's presence throughout your whole story. If you look back on your life, all the times, I can look back on my life. I became a Christian at age 17, but Jesus was with me from when I was born. I was born six weeks premature, so I was like itsy bitsy. I was in a little humidity crib. You could have taken me home in your pocket. And uh, I ended up being in hospital for a good couple of months before I could go home. And doctors pronounced a negative report over me. I'd have a 50% chance of living. I had a collapsed lung, I had a hernia, I had lack of calcium, and uh, they said I'd always be the runt of the class. <laughs> they said I would always be probably the least intelligent, I'd struggle, struggle academically, but uh, I've been to university and finished a, a university degree, uh, so that, that ruled that out. Uh, you know, they spoke words over me, but God had a plan. Yeah. 
and it didn't matter what they said because God's plan has come to pass. That he knew that in October uh, of um, the year that I turned 17, I'm trying to work out when it was now, <laughs> won't do the maths right now, but he knew that I would surrender my life to him. And he knew that then he would fill me, teach me, humble me, and lead me to a point where I would marry, where I would be in Stanthorpe for nearly 10 years. In fact, this Sunday, 10 years ago, was when the church found out we were coming. So there you go, that's a bit exciting. And uh, God had a plan for me. And if he's done that for me, coming from a family that didn't even know him, acknowledge him, how much more is he going to do it for, for those that believe? God has a plan. Where have you seen God at work in your life already? Think on those things. If you're feeling discouraged, think on those things. What are good things that God might have in store for you? Speak them out in faith. So much of the Christmas season is about remembering the past and waiting for the future. There's nostalgia and anticipation at the same time. And in that spirit, let's remember what God has already done for us and look forward to what God still has planned for us. Because in this moment, I want you to reflect on the goodness of God. We say it and we parrot it. God is good. And all the time. But do we believe that today? Do you absolutely, without hesitation, and with strong conviction, even if you're in the middle of the most challenging season of your life, I want to challenge you to believe that God is good all the time and that you are part of his plan. Let's have a look at this song as we come to a close. Just need volume. Maybe. No volume, Russ?
Christian church is persecuted at a greater measure than it ever has been, but there's still that sense that there's that bit of openness because of the time of year and the season. Can I encourage you to ask God to strengthen you, to give you boldness, courage, as much courage as these girls came up to dance today, that much courage, maybe? <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> courage and boldness to share the truth of the gospel, the good news. You know, for centuries, God has been telling the world through the prophets that a saviour was on the way. And he was. It just would have been hard in that season to hold on to that hope, having to wait so long. But God's plans were already in motion before we even knew we needed those plans. That's how good our God is. From the Garden of Eden to King David to Jeremiah and beyond, God's plans were in motion even so Humanity had to wait for them. There was still a plan. They hadn't seen the fruit or the result of that plan for many, many years, but there was a plan nonetheless. So let this Christmas season be a reminder to us all. Even when you're waiting impatiently, maybe like me, that this is as true now as it was back then, that God has a plan. And God's plans for us are good. Would you bow your heads this morning? Every service at Vineyard Christian Church, we invite people to say yes to Jesus. The reason we ask you to do that, to consider that, you're online as well, we ask you to do that because He is the author and finisher of our plan. And we have access to that plan when we surrender our life to Him. If we live our life without Jesus, there's no peace. There's no forgiveness of sin. There's no opportunity at that newness of life that many of us have experienced. But with Jesus, there's breakthrough in your life. There's change because something shifts. Because it's less about us and more about Him. We can receive that forgiveness. We can turn. We can repent. We can actually have a true repenting heart and turn from our old life and embrace our new life. So I want to encourage you, if you're in this place today and you feel like you're very far away from Jesus, I, I, I had someone put it this way once, that there's a hundred steps to heaven. Jesus has taken 99 of them towards you and we just have to take that one step to choose Jesus. So you may have surrendered your life before. You might never have done it. 
none of that matters right now. What matters is your heart's response in this moment. Do you need Jesus? Are you away from him? Do you need to accept him again as your Lord and Saviour? If that's you, lift up your hand so I can pray. Pastor Jeremy, pray for me today. That's me. I need Jesus. I need more of him in my life. I need to surrender. Yeah, I see those hands. Beautiful. Church, let's pray this prayer together. We all need Jesus, amen. So say this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you died on the cross for me. You forgive me of my sin. You forgive me of my past. And you loose me from that condemnation because of the victory that you have over sin and death. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And so now I make you my Lord. I confess with my mouth, you are my Lord. And so I'm a Christian. I repent and turn from my old ways. And I turn into the new. The new life that you offer me. And I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can you praise Him?